Happy New Year, Bethel Baptist. It is pleasant being back here together after the Christmas break, <coughs> celebrating and remembering the incarnation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God is kind and good to us, isn't it? So as we gather this morning, I want us to pay attention to Psalm 19. So if you have a Bible, please turn to Psalm 19. I'm going to set the passage before you in your hearing. Then I'll say a brief prayer and then uh, we'll begin. If you're using the Bibles underneath the pews in front of you, you can find Psalm 19 on page 456. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 1. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heaven and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from, also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. 
then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing or acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I want to title the sermon this morning, The Power of God's Word. Let us go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, whom we know as Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Lord, only you can open our eyes to see you through your word and experience you this morning. So as we gaze upon your word now in Psalm 19, help us to pay much closer attention to it and re receive it as such. Lord, as I attempt to serve your very own people this morning, I confess and acknowledge my weakness before you. Lord, I need you. We need you. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Would you speak, O oh Lord, through your word, for your servant hears. I pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the mighty friend of sinners. Amen. There was a man named Gaylord Kambarami. He was the general secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe, Africa. And he tried to give a New Testament Bible to a very hostile, hostile man. The man insisted he would roll the pages of the scripture and use them to make cigarettes. Mr. Kambarami said to this man, I understand that, but at least promise me that you would read the pages of the New Testament before you smoke it. The man agreed, and the two went their separate ways. Fifteen years later, the two met at a convention conference in Zimbabwe. The scripture-smoking pagan had been saved and now was a full-time evangelist. He told the audience this at that convention, quote, I smoked Matthew and I smoked Mark and I smoked Luke. But when I got to John 3.16, I couldn't smoke anymore. My life was changed 
at that point. Aren't you glad that God's word is more than just words on a paper? Aren't you glad that God speaks powerfully through his word? Psalm 19 is going to remind us that the word of God is so powerful we constantly need it in our daily lives. And Psalm 19 is a psalm of celebration. David was celebrating two separate revelations which God makes himself known to all people. He has made himself known to all people through nature, and he has personally, personally revealed himself to some people through the scriptures. In fact, Psalm 8 is a companionship psalm for Psalm 19 because Psalm 8 reveals the glory of God as well. That God speaks through his nature. But Psalm 19 is a psalm that shows us the supreme sufficiency of how the Lord powerfully makes himself known. So according to Psalm 19, I want to encourage you this morning as you begin 2024 to let the power of God's word be your only guidance in life. Let the power of God's word be your only guidance in life. I have three points to help us walk through the text together. First, the revelation of God in nature. That's verses 1 through 6. Second, the revelation of God in Scripture. That's, a, that's verses 7 through 10. And lastly, third point, the purpose of God's revelation. That's verses 11 through 14. But before we continue... Let me go ahead and tell you what I mean by the term revelation of God. The revelation of God means God makes himself known to all people as the divine God and he reveals his sovereign existence to all people throughout the nature. And he also makes himself known personally and relationally to specific people throughout his inspire recorded word in the face of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, God has made himself known to us. And the question we should consider making, asking ourselves is, how? How? Point number one, the revelation of God in nature. Look at verse 1 again with me. David says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Let me just stop right there. In, ver in that verse, 
David was referring the heavens and the sky as above as the proof of God's created work. And the term God in Hebrew is Elohim, the God, the creator God. Indeed, David was recalling to the creation order in the first chapter of the book of Genesis. Specifically in Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. It says, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Church, the creation, which is the heavens revealed in verse 1, its orderly structure and all the beauty of nature exists to utter the reality of God as its creator. And we know that for certain because verse 1 tells us that the heavens declare and the sky above proclaims. This is the revelation of God in nature. Everything that God created in nature, which is all of them, speaks about God. They all proclaim his glory and his Handy work. It's quite fascinating, fascinating, isn't it? That the God of the universe makes his existence known to all people. He makes his glorious reality known from all the plants that you savor. Through the Breath, breathtaking flowers and their scent, the birds of the air, the mountains and the hills, the trees, the beautiful dog or cat that you cuddle with, the glory of the stars, the night sky with the brightness of the moon, the awe of the clouds spread in the distant galaxies and the grand, grandeur of it the ocean and the seas with seagulls flying above it. Friends, all of it declares the glory of God. And brethren, this same God, the God of the most glorious splendor, makes himself known by speech through the evidence of his own creation. Look at verse 2. It says, Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals its knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their voice to the end of the world. God speaks through the nature he created. And his ultimate intention 
is for everyone to hear exactly what he has to say. God does not speak in vain. And when he speaks, his aim is to utter a glorious proclamation for you and for me, along with everyone else in the world. But notice in verse 2, when God speaks, he pours out speech day, day by day. God never ceases to speak. Night to night, he reveals his knowledge. God is always speaking. He is always speaking to the world all day and all night. Every day and every night. And it is quite intriguing to realize that this nature, speech, in revelation of God through nature does a proclamation with no verbal speech, no voice. Interesting. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says, There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. There is a paradox in the text. It goes from there is no speech to their, their voice going out. So we know there, that there is a speech, but the speech has no actual verbal words coming out of it. In God's revelation, which some theologians would call it, there is no verbal voice heard, and there is no speech, and there, there is no verbal voice heard, but there is a speech present. And that speech comes from God's created nature, and it goes out, like verse 4 says, towards all the earth. And it goes out to the end of the world. There is a day or night that goes by which God ceases to reveal his glory and his handiwork. Listen to what John Piper says regarding the voiceless speech of God through nature. He says, the message of God through the skies reaches the mind and the heart without the medium of ordinary words or speech. God means for there, there to be communication from his mind and heart to our mind and heart. But the medium of communication, the thing that carries the reality from his heart to my heart, is not written words, it's not spoken words. Instead, it's light and color and contrast and shape and proportion and design and motion and magnitude. Wordless words 
speechless speech, voiceless voice, the point is clear. God is pouring forth communication to us through the sky. He is telling and proclaiming and speaking and writing lines and declaring knowledge to everyone who will stop and listen. The revelation of God in nature is the voiceless speech from his creation for everyone to see his magnificent glory and to listen to his revealed knowledge. The revelation of God in nature is so glorious in his proclamation. Even David gave us two illustrations in verses 4 to 6. He says, in them, them, meaning his nature, he, God, has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man running its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heaven and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Every time you see the word like, always know it's, that it's a word meant to compare something, a simile. And here, I believe that when David was celebrating the revelation of God, he meant to show us the marvelous effect of glorious, God's glorious handiwork. He wanted us to really feel that when God's nature pours out voiceless speech about his glory, the message is very overwhelming and it's overflowing with so much joy. And so it illustrated it. What we see in this metaphor is the articulation of the revelation of God in nature compared to a bridegroom on his wedding day. And like a strong man, strong man which is uh, a running athlete competing with excitement. I believe it's providential for me to preach this text because this word is warming my heart for my day. But all of you married men perhaps recall the excitement of your wedding. I would confidently say this, that that day is perhaps not about how well-dressed you were, even though that's some of it, but it is rather primarily about the enduring, overflowing joy of that day. That's how the revealing glory through nature is presented here. We also see this even more when David gives us another comparison comparison highlighting 
a strong man running his course with joy. In the movie uh, Chariot of Fire, how many have seen Chariot of Fire? Glorious. That's, a, that's one of my favorite movies. Glorious Chariot of Fire, a movie based on a true story about a track athlete named Eric Liddell. Eric Liddell participated in the 1924 World Olympics. He was also a believer who later became a missionary. But in the film, there is a scene where the actor Eric always said, when I run, I feel his pleasure. Every time Eric competed in that track running race, he competed with so much joy, shouting glory. He was so excited. That's how the glory of God through nature is revealed here. Listen, when the glorious beauty of the sunrise ascends, and the glorious beauty of the sunset descends, everyone on the planet will experience the heat of the sun. It's an overwhelming delight to see God has made himself known to everyone. And this God who speaks makes himself known by revealing himself through his glorious nature. Every person has the ability to at least say that God exists. Everyone, including unbelievers, should at least say that God exists because he is everywhere. The evidence is right here. Even Charles Spurgeon himself once said this, atheism is a strange thing. Even the devil never fell into that vice. Friends, God is everywhere. And he non-verbally proclaims his glory and his handiwork through his nature. But here's the question. God has spoken. But how can we know God personally and relationally? Because he has revealed himself to us through the power of his word. So point number two, the revelation of God in scripture. Look at this poetic verses, beginning in verse seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the, Lord, of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Here we see 
how David suddenly shifted from praising the God who reveals himself in nature to praising the, the Lord who reveals himself in Scripture. It's as if David was saying, nature tells us much about God's glory, but his word tells us much more about himself as a person. The reason the scripture is the most powerful revelation of God in the nature is because the scripture tells us more about God on a personal level. This reality is called the special revelation of God. The word of God reveals God as the covenant God of mercy. And what we've seen thus far in the structure of this psalm is that verses 1 to 6 identify God as Elohim, the God who creates. Yet here, in verses 7 to 10, he's identified to us as Yahweh. Capital L-O-R-D. And Yahweh appears seven times in this section as the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, the God of grace, a God full of great love and faithfulness, a God who does a mighty work of redeeming his people. Yahweh can only be known through Scripture that he gave to us. His people. The revelation of God is scripture. It's personal. And it is relational. So the question is, why, why trust the scriptures? Well, because the text tells us. The word of, the, the word of God, the law, is perfect. Sure, right, pure, clean, and true. It revives the soul. It brings wisdom to the simple. It creates joy in the heart. It gives enlightenment to the eyes. It is clean. It, is, it endures forever. And it is righteous altogether. The revelation of God in Scripture is more valuable than any finest of gold. Sweeter than any honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. The word of God is perfect. Second Peter uh, chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that his divine power, which is revealed in Scripture has granted us all things which pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Let the power of God's word be your only guidance in life. God's word is never wrong in anything. 
the power of God's word is so powerful, it reveals the perfection of God's word to be effective. It does the work of converting, reviving the soul of people like it did to the pagan smoking man. When you read, hear, pray, and study God's word, you shouldn't aim for your intellectual benefit only, but also you should aim for your transformative benefit as well. It's not just for the mind. It's also for the heart. God, through his word, has spoken. And his word is sure. It is totally reliable and certain. Psalm 119, verse 89, the passage that Brother Bill read for us earlier, says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heaven. Derek Kidnick commenting on the surety of the word in verse 7 highlight this, quote, Sure by its passive form can mean not only what is firm, but what is confirmed. The scripture is so reliable and certain that you can confidently know that it is always trustworthy. You can confidently be assured that it will do the work of making you wise. If you want to be wise in reflecting God's character in this life, look to the power of God's word. Let the power of God's word be your only guidance in life. The word of God and its commandments revealed our rights, the text tells us. They are moral, morally right. They are practically right. They won't fail you they're universally right. They're so right, they won't mislead you. See, the special revelation of God in the Word is so holy and it's so pure. If you know and truly believe this, you can rejoice like David this morning. You can rejoice like him because David himself praised God. He found joy in the Lord through the deep pleasure of delighting in the power of God's word. God reveals himself personally to us as the God who is holy and pure. Friends, there is only holiness in dwelling in the word of God. That's why the Bible is identified as the holy Bible. <clears throat> we can trust the word of God to enlighten our eyes. 
It gives great comfort and knowledge, and it sustains us and helps us persevere through many darkness and trials that we encounter in this life. As we see in this text, David also articulated the word of God as the fear of the Lord. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the awe and the majesty of God. And so when we spend, spend the time, we, when we spend time with the Lord through his word, we can expect to experience the awe and majesty of who he is. Church, we can trust a God like this. We can trust a God whose word is so clean and enduring forever. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The power of God's word is here to stay. And its aim is to sanctify us as we strive to apply it in our own individual lives through daily meditation. Praise God and thank God for his word. David summarized this profound pro poetic chain of describing the aspect of God's word by declaring that the word of God is true and righteous altogether. There's nothing false, and there is nothing unrighteous in the power of God's word. It is more precious than gold, even much fine gold. So sweet, even honey ain't even sweet enough. Listen to what Herman Bavink once said regarding the revelation of God in Scripture. He says this, and I quote, In this revelation, God makes himself known to us as the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This revelation is historical and progresses over the course of many centuries, reaching its culmination in Jesus Christ, the mediator. From this history, we discover that revelation is not exhaustively addressed to human intellect. In Christ, God himself comes to us, as in, comes to us in saving power. And the, at the same time, we must not make the opposite error and deny that Revelation communicates truth and doctrine. Revelatory word and deed belongs together in God's plan and acts of salvation. The revelation of God in Scripture. God revealing his divine character to us. God really wants us to know him. He really wants us to learn about him. He really wants us to experience him. 
And he has provided the only necessary means for us to do so. The word of God. In 2024, we must continue to draw near to the Lord through his word. We must grab the word. Life is going to get hard. Storms are raging. But grab the word. If you want to know the Lord more and more this coming year, open his word every day. And while you open his word, ponder his divine attributes, his rich promises. Ponder his loving kindness through the cross of his only son more deeply. Your life is not going to change by itself. God must speak through his word to change you. And he won't be speaking with your Bible close accumulating dust on your bookshelves or in your house. No, pick up the word. Open it. And ask the spirit of Christ to help you see wonderful things from his word. Mainly him. But here's the question. Why go through the hassle of pondering God's word every day, though? What's, what's the significance of that? Well, point number three, the purpose of God's revelation. Look at verse 11. It says, Moreover, by them, them, the scriptures, is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great Reward. We have a certain destination. As believers, we are headed home to heaven. We are citizens of heaven. Yes, the journey is long. The way is hard. The entrance is narrow. But the word of God is available as the roadmap to get us there. If you don't hold fast to the word of God, the revelation of God in scripture, you'll be best basically doing things on your own accord, and you will end up swerving in the wrong direction. And so when the word of God is here to warn us, it is here to tell us the dangers. And it's here to remind us of the great awaiting reward of the unseen things when we keep his word. Warning signs are usually needed to highlight the unseen dangers ahead. When you deliberately sin, 
you need the power of God's word to warn you of the great consequences. If you reject the warnings, you will embrace the danger. The warning you need to practice is daily repentance and applying daily gospel. God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross and to resurrect and to resurrect from the grave as an act of love and forgiveness. And this gospel of grace is not a license to more sinning. It is a license to more repenting. God's word tells us that we need to walk by the word, knowing for sure that there will be great reward. Church, listen. Obedience to the word leads to great reward. Disobedience to the word leads to great judgment. The power of God's word is to help us have the desire of inward cleansing. Look at verse 12 and 13. It says, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also for presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. R.C. Sproul puts it like this. When there is something in the word that you don't like, the problem is not the word. It's you. And it is me. No error. Here David rightly understood, understood that he once ignored and disobeyed God's word more than once. And he was aware of it. He knew enough to make him concerned. David was the one who was in so much error before the Lord. Bethel Baptist, we need to be aware that we are the problem and God is the solution. Our problem is that we have sinned against a holy God. And there is only one solution to being free from his righteous anger. Him. He is the solution for our rebellion. David knew that. He knew he needed the cleansing of his hidden faults and his presumptuous sins that were holding him captive. So he cried out to the Lord, keep back your servant. If God doesn't keep us and hold us, no one else would. We need God to deliver us from presumptuous sins. Presumptuous sins are sins of thinking you know better. Sins that lead you to do unwise things. Those presumptuous sins are sins you commit contrary to God's word, even 
when you know very well what the Bible says. You can call that foolishness and pride. Hidden faults are sins you commit and hide unconfessed in darkness, such as jealousy, anger, pornography, alcohol, indulgence, laziness, gossip. The list goes on. Friends, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. And so you need, I need, to run to the power of his word every day for the conviction of sins so that those sins, verse 13, won't have dominion over us. When you bring your sin into the light, then you can be assured, verse 13 again, to be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Blamelessness and innocence are not claim of sinless perfection in this life. They are assurance that there is someone greater, someone who has fully embraced our state, someone who was who was fully blameless and innocent before God the Father. And he is the one who willingly came to rescue undeserving sinners like you and me from our sin and shame. He is our Lord and Savior, the merciful Savior, who laid down his life for the sheep. We can be assured that the blood of Jesus Christ upon a cross has saved our lives. And we need the word to remind us not to sin no more. David closed this amazing psalm with a glorious prayer of surrender. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David knew he was a sinner, and he uttered this prayer as a plea for transformation that comes from the power of God's word. The way I speak, the way my heart posture is. Lord, may my act be acceptable in your sight. Let, let the way I behave be pleasing to you. This psalm began with a recognition of the glory of God through the revelation of God in nature, and it transitioned to the majesty of the Lord through the revelation of his written word, the scriptures. And so, because this God is so great, David knew himself to be so small and sinful. Yet, at the same time, 
David acknowledged that his God is his rock and his redeemer. Friends, the purpose of God, of God's revelation, is to show us who God is and who we are. Knowing truly who God is and who we are should lead us to genuine heart adoration. Knowing who God is should get us on our knees in worship because he has done a marvelous thing. The glorious God of revelation through nature and the scripture is a glorious Lord of personal relationship and redemption for undeserving sinners like you and me. God came to us. We didn't go to him. We know this, and we can appreciate this through the power of his word. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. This we know. For the Bible told us so. Grab the word and listen to God alone. Or grab the word in 2024 and be nourished by it. Uh, Grab the word to help you grow in a closer relationship with the Lord. Grab the word to be changed and shaped by the word. Uh, Grab the word every day to help you stand firm in faith. Grab the word to help you overcome sinful flesh. Grab the word to remind yourself every day of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Grab the word for the word of God is necessary and sufficient for all of life. Church, Let the power of God's word in 2024 be your only guidance in all of life. Let us pray.